Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. All right, guys, welcome back to Agent Investor, the only place where we help agents get off that real estate roller coaster. If you're a real estate agent whose income is always going up and down, up and down, month after month, and you want to add stability by investing in real estate, you found the right place. Agent Investor will help you get off that real estate roller coaster. It'll prevent you from being nervous every single time you have a month or two where there's no commission checks coming in. And ultimately, we'll help you achieve financial freedom through real estate investing. Our saying at Agent Investor is sales will make you a living, but investing will make you wealthy. And I've got a very special guest on today, a guy who actually works for our company, Calvin Driscoll. And Calvin uh, works for our construction team. He's been with the company now for going on three years. And every month or a couple of weeks or sometimes every day, he'll ask me a question about real estate investing. And if, you, if you're like Calvin and you read a book and you get an idea and you know that you need to invest, but you're not exactly sure what you need to do on a day-to-day basis, this specific episode and training is for you. We're going to take Calvin, who's a 20, what? Calvin, what are you? 24. A 24-year-old guy who's at the very beginning stages of his career, very beginning stages of investing who doesn't necessarily have probably a very defined plan. And by the end of the conversation with him, we're going to give him three to six priorities that he needs to be focused on over the next quarter to make sure that he's on track for his 10-year investing goals. So Calvin, welcome to Agent Investor. How's it going? It's going well. Thank you for having me. You're very well dressed. I love that shirt. Ocean City Development. Man. I love it. How'd you get one of those? I don't even get those. Uh, I got a few from Billy. That's that's great. Um, so Calvin, let's back up to kind of like, you know, the beginning stages of kind of like how how we met, how you got introduced to the company. Um, how did you, how did you learn about Ocean City Development? How did you learn about our company to start? So I went to a career fair in college and there was a um a Cameron table. Yep. And they talked about like all the um, they were looking for a few positions like market research or something like that. But they mentioned all the flips that Ocean City does. Yep. And I said, I'd be interested in doing that. And they said, we can put your resume on the right person's desk. Talked to Jim a little bit. Joined as an intern um, in 2020. Did that for like nine months or so and then came back after graduation full time. What got you specifically interested in potentially working for our company? Or was it just that you literally just walked by and was like, hey, I'm looking for any job. I'd love to be an intern somewhere. Like, or was there something specific that got you interested? No, it was um, like real estate had kind of been something that I had always thought about, but never thought about as a career. And then I kind of was looking at real estate tables that day and I I just went up to them and approached them. Mm-hmm. And then I wasn't really sure when I was taking the internship, if it was something I was going to like. And I quickly learned that it was like the first job that I actually like really was passionate about and enjoyed getting up and going and doing my work every day. So what was it in college? Like, did you read a book? Like, did you have a class in school that kind of got you saying like, maybe real estate could potentially be like a path or something that you're interested in? Um, It wasn't a, I don't think it was really until I got here that I, that like I had the like change in thought. Like I took a real estate course in college that unfortunately ended up being remote during the pandemic, but it wasn't really until I got here that I like realized this was uh, what I wanted to do. All right. So what sparked that realization? Like what actually happened? Was it like one specific thing or a series of things? Like why? 
Um, I guess it would be a series, just seeing like seeing kind of what the company does, just turning over deals and just seeing the way that like you could be very productive and successful in doing it. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just got it like obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you now kind of know like, okay, I want to do something in investing. And this is the point, you know, this is a show specifically for real estate agents that want to get off the real estate roller coaster. We all have this point in time where we're like, oh, we see other people doing it. That's a common thing, right? Especially for real estate agents. They see other investors either making a ton of money or having passive income or living a lifestyle that maybe they don't necessarily have yet. And you you see it firsthand. I mean, you see it on a day-to-day basis. Um, you know, what we do, the volume that we do, the type of work that we do. So that kind of sparked your interest. And it all starts kind of with that spark, right? To say, hey, like I want to do something. Now, what that something is, is typically some sort of like life change, right? Where where, where we're at today, we have what we have, but we're not satisfied. We say we want more, we want something different. For you, what do you think that means? And this is, I'm going to pause for a second because this is like the hardest question. And for those of you who are like listening right now, this is always the starting point when we're coaching anybody. Because at the end of the day, when someone reads a real estate investing book, when they come to a seminar, when they listen to a podcast, when they go in our Facebook group and they get that spark, there is some life change where you're like, hey, maybe I'm thankful for where I'm at today, but I want to be somewhere different in the future. Where is that somewhere different for you as as much as you can think about that right now? So as far as like where I want to be, that's what you're asking? Yeah, like your life, right? Fast forward, even call it, you know, we don't have to put an exact number of years on it. But 10 years from now, what is it that you want real estate investing to do for you? Because everybody has like a different thing. Like I talk to some people and they're like, well, in 10 years, I want to not have to work. Or in 10 years, I want to be taking 10 vacations a year. Or in 10 years, I want to have this huge house. Or like there's something in your mind that says, I want investing to do X. And this is the part where this is like step one. Like, what do, what do you envision that, again, to the best of your ability right now to be? Yeah. So not to get like too deep on it, but um, the way I kind of look at it is like long-term wise, um, my parents like gave my brother and I a lot of great opportunities, put us in a lot of great positions. So as a way, I'd like to use it as a tool to like pay what they did for us forward and someday with like a family in the picture or whatever, be able to like do even more than what they did for us, if that makes sense. So like be able to use investing as a tool to like take care of my family, everything like that, and um, just really accumulate wealth. Okay. So if you're saying, you know, what right now, what you're thinking about, you're saying, you know, you're, cause, cause this is the other thing about investing. It doesn't have to just do one thing. I, I told my story at the two day conference where basically I, I was a part of helping my parents retire, sell their property, you know, buy their property, you know, for them while we could, you know, bridge the gap. And I don't want to go into that story too much, but you know, real estate investing has helped me help my family, but it's also helped me help myself. So in terms of like helping you help your family, is it just a matter of like, you want to pay your family back for something? Or is there a specific reason why like your parents need help specifically that, you know, you feel like is important? Um, I think it more of like a token of gratitude, like mm-hmm. in different ways, just to be able to just like they did a lot of things for us to be in a good position. So just to kind of be able to return everything they did for us, you know, and just keep pushing it forward and help them um, provide for like family that I may have someday and do even more than what was done for me and just kind of level up. Okay. So what we always find anytime I talk to anybody about their investing goals is 
they start out like somewhat vague. And what you just said to me is a good starting point, but it's too vague because the reality is, is like, what is helping your parents mean? All of this stuff, when we talk about like setting goals and putting a plan in action, we need to figure out like, what, where do we want to be five to 10 years from now? And then what does that cost? Because like helping your parents, that's an amazing goal. We have a lot of people who want to help family members either because they just want to like you, or in some cases, because they literally have to because of health or some other you know problem. So what we need to start to do, and we're going to go through this right now, we're starting yes. with the fact that like, you want to help your parents, you want to have your own family, right? That's going to cost money. I can tell you that, unfortunately, with four kids, it's going to cost you more money than you think. Um, is there anything else like big picture, five to 10 years from now, like if you just were able to help your parents, were able to support your family, is there anything else beyond that that like is on your radar? I don't know, that's hard to say. Um, it is, and let me let me stop you there by saying, this is not a concrete thing. This is why like we need to set goals every quarter, right? right. So like every quarter we need to start thinking about this stuff. And I'll give you one example, Calvin. I, my wife, you know, very intelligent, went to a really good school, had a really good job. I never thought that part of my plan was going to be to have her not work. Never, it never even crossed my mind. And then all of a sudden you have four kids and you're like, oh, geez, this is almost a necessity at this point. So when you're thinking about the stuff and saying it to me right now, this does not have to be concrete. So you're saying, help your parents family is there your your own family is there anything else specifically that pops up if there's not that's okay like 10 years from now i would i would want to be in my dream home what my dream home is i don't even know and being single it's hard to really kind of like narrow those kinds of details well, down because well, they yes, could change well yes and no right so again what we have to do with planning out is we have to to, we have to put the thought in to say, where do I want to be? Then we have to do the best case we can at saying, like, how much is this going to cost? Then we have to look at what type of investing we're going to do and how you're actually going to get there. So, you know, one thing that you just said, okay, you want to have your dream house. Well, yes, you don't know exactly how much that costs, but I can tell you that around where we live, a dream home is probably like 700 to a million dollars and that's somewhere in that range. So we can kind of start to work backwards and say, okay, you know, in, in greater Boston, even call it say a million dollars to give us some wiggle room for some time and stuff like that. Then we can look at what a, a mortgage rate is, what your monthly payment would be. Okay, well, that's what your monthly income needs to be, whether it's active or passive. So we've got dream house taking care of your own family and parents. And it's funny because those are pretty much like most people's goals of your age. That's you know, that was my goal, you know, 15 years ago, um, you know, basically same age as you, you know, looking to get to that point. And that's kind of like step one, you know, in your life. So with that being said, let's just kind of like talk through some of the math here, just, you know, really quickly, right? So if you're going to have what we call a dream home, not a starter home, and we're going to say, hey, it costs a million dollars. And we're going to say, okay, you're going to have a family. And we're going to say, okay, on top of that, you need to help your parents. To you, what is helping your parents look like financially if you had to put, you know, facts and figures on it? That I honestly, it's hard to say. I don't, I don't really know the answer to that one. Let, let me ask you a follow-up question. Is it that you want to just help your parents, but they don't necessarily need a ton of help, or you think they're going to need help in five, six, seven, eight years? I, I think maybe saying help them isn't necessarily the wrong word, but like, I don't, I don't think it's something that they might need, but it's more so that I want to give back. Yeah. So that's and, a different, uh, that's a far different number, right? There's, yeah. a, there's a, there's a difference between saying, Hey, I need to support my parents because my dad's in poor health. And in three years, he's not going to be able to work versus saying like, Hey, I, I would love to foot the bill for my mom and dad's car. So you're more saying like, Hey, maybe relieve the burden and the stress on of some things on them, right? Right. Yes. All right. So let's call that a thousand dollars a month, you know, as kind of like a, you know, bullet point number. Are you taking notes? I took a few. 
Oh, I'm impressed. Okay. I didn't think anybody was listening to me. So um, so we're going to call that $1,000 a month. We're going to call the, the million dollar dream home. We're going to call that eight grand a month between mortgage, taxes, utilities, all that good stuff. And we're going to call other expenses probably another 10. So just, I'm talking rough, rough math. You need to be either passively or actively making somewhere between 200 and $250,000 a year. So the next question becomes, how much of this is going to be passive and how much is this going to be active where the investing goes in? And I, and I told you this, you know, on a private message at some point, you could just probably get here, like working your way, you know, up our company or up any, you know, company, you know, to get to that point in the greater Boston market with the skills that you're going to develop. But that's not your goal, right? Your goal isn't to just work for somebody and just pay your bills, right? So what gets you wanting to, why, why investing for you other than just, hey, let me work up a corporate ladder or work up this company's ladder and just get to that point where I can afford this stuff? The, the reality of it is I, um, I don't like paying rent and I do need somewhere to live. And since the first time I heard about house hacking, that was like a light clicked or a light switched on. Um, where I was like, okay, I can go here, live here, make money from it, not be paying rent and be mm -hmm. building equity and all the rest and kind of roll that into everything. Yep. So it was kind of like, it's kind of like two birds with one stone, if you will. Yeah. So that's like a short-term thing. That's like yep. a short-term goal to kind of, you know, getting there, but I'm still thinking about like high level. We kind of know how much you need to kind of make, but what's, What's making you say, hey, I want to do investing then rather than just earning the money like through a W-2? I um I feel like you can do you can do both. So why not? Yeah, you can do both, but like why do both? Like what's what's guiding you like thinking like I, I want to do both? You can earn more. So do both, have the the money coming in and mm -hmm. go ahead, branch out and use your skill set that you're using at work and also apply it elsewhere and bring in more money as well. So we, on that topic, we talked about this as well. And we, I, I always talk about the fact that if people want to invest, there's three skills that you really could get good at. And you need to at least pick one of these skills. Like if you want to do investing at a high level, there's three things when it comes to investing that are important. Number one, finding deals, which is sales and marketing. Number two, fixing up the properties, which is construction. And number three, finding the capital. Those are the three skills. Um, it can be difficult to get all three. You only need one in order to, to actually be a successful investor. You don't need to be good at all three. You can, you can be good at one and have somebody else you know, hire out for the other ones. You know that I don't know much about construction. So this is another part of your kind of plan that we talked about that you need to really always think about, which is like, if I'm going to pick one of those three, which of the three am I going to pick? Now, you specifically work for us. You work for a company that does investing. You're in that every single day. Believe it or not, I have people that ask me every single day, every single day, can I shadow Jim, your boss? I do, I do believe that. <laughs> you, now, now think about that for a second. And this is what, you know, I also want people to kind of think about as they're listening to this is that you can get coaching in a lot of different ways. There's a saying proximity is power. You want to get around other people that are doing what you want to do. So while you're, you didn't take the job with us in order to get free coaching and training and mentorship, that was not part of your plan. That is a really good plan for anybody. And it doesn't have to be construction. Like, I don't know anything about construction, but I did something similar with sales and marketing. And I'm also in a coaching group for raising capital. So all of those three things, as you know, people are sitting here, if you're like Calvin and you're in the beginning stages of investing, you haven't started investing yet, or you just are starting to invest, you want to focus on one of those three things. If you can find great deals, you will always make money investing. If you can renovate properties, 
you know, on time, on budget, you're always going to make money investing. And if you can raise capital, you're always going to be able to make money investing, even if you can just do one of those three things. Hey, everyone, this is Tom Caffarella. I want to quickly interrupt the podcast to number one, thank all of my loyal listeners of the Asian Investor Podcast and tell you guys really quickly about an exciting event we have coming up. Uh, It's a two-day event. It's called the Passive Income Real Estate Investor Event um, that you can find out more details at PassiveIncomeEvent.com. We're going to be doing a two-day training session teaching all of the agents and all of the investors at the event on how to achieve financial freedom through real estate. If you're like me and your goal is to not work 80, 100 hours a week grinding, selling real estate, flipping homes, um, definitely check out this event. We're going to teach you how to build a passive income portfolio so that you can retire, so that you can work when you want, how you want, and ultimately achieve financial freedom. So again, go to PassiveIncomeEvent.com for more details. And we look forward to seeing you at the upcoming event. So with that being said, have you, because we did talk about this, but are, are you, do you feel like you're mentally committed to doing the construction one or do you have thoughts about like either of the other ones? So we, when I got my license, my real estate license, we spoke. And I was getting frustrated because I was trying to be good at both and learning how to become a good agent. And um, you kind of like guided me towards your saying, focus on construction, that one only. And since then, I've realized that it's easier to focus on that, get better quicker at it than to try to dabble in all three. So that is something that I am focused on. That's what I put like all my energy into. So, you know, just to give you like an example, you know, the 88 unit we're doing in Nashua. Yep. Do you know Mike LeFevre who we're partnered with on that deal? Just from the events. So, so he is partially a partner in that deal because he's managing the entire construction. Did you know that part? I did not. I knew he was partnered in it. Yeah. So, just food for thought for you and for anybody that's listening. Again, going back to the the premise of like, if you have one of those three skills, you can get a seat at the table. So the benefit, even though Jim could manage that project on his own, Jim doesn't have all the time in the world. So Mike had proposed, hey, let me get a little bit bigger of a cut of this deal and I'll handle all the management, right? So just something to think about, like as as you're building your own skills, but so we've we've already identified again that you know ten years from now, five you know more like seven, eight, nine, ten years from now, you need to be making north of two hundred thousand dollars, whether it's passive or active. We talked about the fact that you you want to invest. We talked about the fact that as of today, you want to specialize in construction. Um, now we need to talk about what type of investing that you plan on doing. There's so many different you know types of investing that you could be doing. And I'm gonna walk through just some of them, you know, theoretically, but we do need to figure out like out of that $200,000, how much of that do you want to be passive? Have you thought about that at all? I have, What's what answer are you looking for? Like within the next five years or like 10 years from now? Let, let's, really call, let's, let's call it 10 so we can kind of work backwards a little bit. So 10 years from now, I'm 34 and I um, like probably would want to remove myself from some of the, some of the things that maybe I'm not so good at, but I would still want to be like working like guns blazing on everything. So um, I would say the passive part of it isn't really what gets me excited about it. It's more just like working at it and seeing the return. If that answers your question. It does, but it doesn't. It does in that like, so your goal clearly defined is that you are not doing this so you can retire at 34 or 35. Right. Okay? That's important because for some people, their 10-year horizon is like, I want to get to six figures of passive income and I want to just do nothing. And your motivation is not that. So your motivation is you want to get above and beyond. You want to keep earning. You, you want to keep working. Like you don't have any plans 
I know you're so young that thinking about retirement is absolutely absurd to begin with, right. but there are a lot of people who at all ages are working and building a passive income so they don't have to work. So let's just kind of work backwards. Like, would you be happy if in 10 years, the passive income number was six figures, half of what you need to live? Would that be enough? Do you think that that would be exciting enough of a goal for you or too little, too much? I know it's a little pie in the sky, but again, we got to work backwards here. Yeah. I um, like to say that I, I would want it to be on the higher side, but I think that would work. I would make that work. Well, let's, let's just talk about what it would look like. Let's just say you said you want to get to cover most of your expenses, like 200,000. And let's say the 200,000 is kind of the magic number. So now we need to work backwards and say, well, how many doors do we need? Right. And do you know our average cash flow, cash flow per door? I, I want to say 500. Is, yeah, it's 500. So how many doors do you need if you need to make 200,000 per year? I'm not a mental. You're what? 40 doors. All right, let's check this. I think it's actually less than 40 doors because 40 doors gets you to 20,000 a month, right? 20,000 a month times 12. Let's just call oh, it. Yeah, I did that wrong. No, it's okay. Let's just call it 50 doors. So what we need to do is we need to figure out how to get you not only to 50 doors, but to get to 50 doors with an average cash flow of $500 per door, okay? So to get to 50 doors, you need to start with a door, at least one door, right? So we, we talked about, and this is just you, your specific, you know, where you're at. We always talk to people when we coach them, when we have a call, when we, when we go through our five-step process and create goals, we always have to assess where we are at today. So what skills do we have? What capital resources do we have, et cetera? How old are we? All of these different things. So what we know is you're super young. You've never bought a house before, right? Right. Okay. You probably don't have a ton of capital, right? Right. Not that I'm aware of. It'd be almost impossible for a 24-year-old to have a ton of capital. So there's an obvious first step for you, which we've talked about a little bit, which is FHA loan into a multifamily. Yes. Now, when we talk about FHA loan into a multifamily, we have to think about number one, how many units do we want? Okay. And is is really simple to getting FHA loan to put down three and three and a half percent, the least amount of money possible. Um, we've got to go at least three doors, like at least a three family, potentially a four family. Now, this is where like People have to make a decision. Investing is all about sacrificing today for a better tomorrow. A lot of people want their first property to be a single family or they want their first property to be a condo. So I think we've identified for you that you're okay living in a multifamily, right? Right. So we've got to figure out now, have you started? This is where it starts to get into like the, the things to do in the first quarter. Um. First question, if you got a great deal on a, you know, multifamily, do you know if you would qualify to get that deal? Like, have you, have you gone to a lender? Have you talked to a lender? Do you have any idea? I have, and I would not, not for what I would need and like to make it work. I wouldn't qualify for enough yet. And is that because of income? Because of what is it because of? My guess is mainly it's my college loan debt that is holding me back, but I can make things work, but it, it's um, some of them are like far too tight or like it's very close to not working at all. It, it's more that I can, I can get into like a two family, but not a three and a two isn't really where it works. Yep. And how far like geographically have you looked? I kind of poke around everywhere. I look at greater Boston. I'd rather do New Hampshire. Um, my brother and I talk about uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, but mm -hmm. that's an expensive market. So, um, so which another, is where so another decision that you that you need to make, which is going to be a big one. Yeah. Which is like, do you? So I know we have you know a national audience, probably you know two thirds of our audience is New England, but the other third is all over the country. Uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire is 
up there for the nicer area of New Hampshire. So again, it's another life decision, right? right. I can 100% guarantee the numbers won't work as good in Portsmouth as they would in Manchester. So there's a decision there. I'm not saying you have to go to Manchester, but every one of every one of these decisions cascades. Right. So um, you kind of have to make a decision whether or not that's going to work. Now you talked about your brother. Is he going to be buying the house with you? So I don't know. Um, I was thinking about having him co-sign in the event that I would need him to. If not, then I would have him living with me. So I think what you need to figure out Q1 of this year is how are you going to financially get under that first property? I don't know that you necessarily like need to buy one to hit the 10-year goal of getting to 40 units, but you need to figure out like how you're going to pull it off. And how you're going to pull it off can mean you make more money. It could mean that you go in on a deal with somebody else. It could mean that you go into a different market. I'm sure that there's an answer to that, but I think that's like, you know, goal number one for you. Do you have any questions on that specifically? No, I do not. Okay. So the second thing I would kind of think about is how you're going to get to the 40, right? So we kind of have to do the math, you know, in a little bit of an interesting way. I mean, so what we know is that you're not blessed with this, you know, crazy big kind of capital base, you know, really like, like none of us are. So the question becomes then how do you, the first property is going to be kind of the easiest to get, right? Like, even though we're having this conversation, you're not necessarily ready to buy number one, but how do you get to number two? And so the next thing that you need to be thinking about is how do you either save, how do you either save or how do you refi out of property number one to get capital for the down payment for property number two? So the second thing that I would look at, and I know a bunch of people have pulled this off, and this is not something that you need to take action on right now, but I would talk to a lender to figure out like, hey, if you live in that three or four family for like a year, is it possible to do an FHA loan for your property number two? Now, I know that literally the rules on this stuff they can change like month to month. But I would want to get an understanding of not only how you're going to get property number one, but what you need to get property number two. Is it that you need to save a ton of money? Is it that you need to, you know, how are you going to get there? Because what we do know is if you buy a property in today's market and it's on market, it's going to take a little bit of time before there's enough equity in order for you to refi. Which kind of goes back into like, you know, what your skill is, which is like, do you have the ability to potentially improve a property without spending a ton of money, add value and force value a little bit that way? Have you thought about that? Yeah. So I, that was my question. I was waiting for the time to be right to ask it. Um, that's something I've struggled with because obviously I'm around off market properties all day, every day. Mm -hmm. So I know that like I just see that you can make a lot of money doing that. So I would like to buy something off market distressed and then yes, use my ability to uh, renovate it to a, a degree that makes it rent ready. Um, the issue I have is on the day of the purchase, I can't really it depends, I guess, how bad it is. But if there's all peeling paint and everything, I can't do an FHA loan on that. Mm -hmm. So I, how do I structure my loan? Like, am I going conventional 5%? What, how does that change everything is where I've struggled. Because if I do FHA, I kind of have to buy like a, a market rate home. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know that I would go as far as saying you have to buy a market rate home, but I your, your premise is, is you're thinking the right way, which is like, you're not going to be able to, to, to buy a property that needs $200,000 worth of work and get it FHA approved. Right. You know, having said that, you know, could it be structured somehow where potentially like you're working with us and we do some repairs ahead of time and we figure out a way to like structure that in where we might be able to work with you in some capacity on that? 
and we could we could talk more about that offline but like there's there could be other kind of creative ways to do it the other thing that you can do that you can definitely do is do a 203k loan are you familiar with 203k loans i am but not not very well so i'm going to pause here cuz this is a good stopping point to say there's a saying the more you learn the more you earn and part of what i've been saying to you is education is the most important thing for you right now. Like you can go out, you can run out, you can try to do a million things, but really where you're going to accelerate is, is getting educated. And you are getting educated by being around us and plugging in and coming to the seminars and stuff like that. But this is the type of stuff that matters because like, you know, we're sitting here and you're like, oh, like you can't do an FHA because the house needs work. Well, not really, because you could do a 203K. So there's always like, I'll put it like this. There's almost always an, a way to get around everything. And yeah. that's the, knowing how to do it and how to navigate comes with experience and always being trying to learn. So one other thing that I would say to you, this would also be like another thing I would put on your quarterly list. Are you in, are you in like the Facebook groups, like bigger pockets and stuff like that? I am. Yes. Okay. So you have a question and you have resources to get the answer, but you, you didn't utilize any of those resources. So I would utilize the bigger pockets. That question that you just asked me, ask in the bigger pockets, right? Ask me, ask Jim, right? There's a way to get answers to everything. And I would also, if I were you, I'd be paying attention to just all the stuff that's posted in bigger pockets. Like I would, I would spend a tiny bit of time. 15, 20 minutes a day, just reading through stuff. Because what is in those groups is just going to be all stuff that you need to know. You don't need to know it all today, but the type of stuff that just keeps getting posted and the stuff especially that gets frequently posted is good. And I would also utilize bigger pockets and other forms like that to ask questions like strategy. Now, you never know who's going to respond in a group like that, so it's not like you're automatically going to always get like the best answers, but right. you'd be surprised at like how many people are willing to kind of give up some of their time and just, you know, lend a helping hand, especially like a lot of experienced investors remember what it was like when they first started. And you'll get some really good responses to questions like that. To me, rock number one has to be like financially, how do you get property number one? And then how do you get property number two? And that involves talking to like lenders. And talking to your brother and putting that plan in place and figuring out, like, where are you going to live? So I think step number two is, like, not that you have to buy a property, but I would I would start to put some research into what does it look like if I bought a property in Manchester over, over um, Portsmouth? What do the numbers look like? Then I would think about, like, you know, the house hacking element of, like, are there are there apartments that, like, you can rent out like rooms in, like you can have like a roommate situation. You know, that's also important. That could make potentially make Portsmouth a little bit more attractive, right? Because if if you're able, if somebody wants to live in Portsmouth that you know, and you can charge them, you know, 400 bucks a month for a room, that would make Portsmouth a lot more attractive. That's the other thing that like in an ideal world, especially your first property, like anything's going to be better than living at home with mom and dad. So even if you have like a, a roommate situation and you're in a three family in Portsmouth and the unit you live in, you have like two or three roommates, like that's still an upgrade. So that plan, like location, what you can get financed, who you need on the loan, how much of a down payment you need, when you're going to have that down payment, like you don't have to take action on that, but you need to have that figured out. And then I would start like looking at places like here and there, like, you know, going to an open house like looking at them, like, have you done that at all in person? I have not, no. What have you done, it's, Calvin? Have you done anything? A little bit. I uh, I joined Dana's uh, investing in small multifamily class. I've been working through that after hearing her at the last event. How's that going? Pretty good. That's good because, um, you know, this is the other thing that's really important. I'm one voice. 
Jim's another voice. Bill's another voice. You want to have a lot of voices. You really do. People that have done what you want to do. Dana's is really good. She definitely thinks different than me. So I think that like, she's also another, you know, resource. And those are the people that you want to get around. Like you got around us just by virtue of working here, but how can you get around other people like Dana? Like, was that a course that you paid for? It was. Yeah. And it's specialized just to small multi. So it's like pretty much a roadmap. So that was what intrigued me. Yeah. But you, you should always pay for that stuff. You, you're, yeah. you're lucky you're lucky enough and I say this to you and I mean it you're lucky enough to be getting paid to be here but that's not going to work everywhere right so I pay into coaching like the fact that you paid in you know it shows your level of commitment that's gonna you're gonna get return on that money for sure yeah um and she's exceeded what you're she's done in 10 years more than what we just set your goals to be so how many hours a week is that? Or is it like study, do it your own pace or? Yeah, it's modules. So whenever you sign on. So to me, there's only one other thing I would think about, which is how you can continue to advance at our company. And I don't even necessarily mean like money wise, but like, how can you take on more responsibility? And I would literally look through it of the lens of like, this is going to help you later. You know, like. How can you learn more about how to renovate and manage construction that, yes, you're going to get paid for, but you're also going to get paid double for it because you're going to get paid in your own deals. So that would be the other thing that I know I talked to you about with, um, you know, with Jim, just always keeping that line of communication open. Um, There's no doubt that if you ask him, hey, how can I do more? How can I learn more? That's going to be a good conversation that he wants to hear. It's also going to be a good conversation for you because now you're now forget about how much work it is. It's a skill set. Your skill set is better. So those are like the four things that I'd be thinking about this quarter, like Dana's course. Like I would put that huge, finish that, figure out the financials for your first and second property, start actively looking to say, oh, like, okay, I thought I wouldn't be happy living in Manchester, but I'm actually okay with it. Or I can't live in Manchester. I, I, I don't want to do it. I want to live in Portsmouth. Um, and then what I just talked about with Jim, like if you can do all those four things in a quarter, all while continuing your education through the audiobooks that we talk about, those you kind of just want to listen to like on the go. If, if Dana's stuff is modules, then can you listen to those in the car? It would be tricky. The thing about my... Uh... The car is the Bluetooth cuts out when you play videos. You can play podcasts, but you can't play videos. Okay. It might make sense to look at a solution for that. One um one conversation that I always have with people is a lot of times people will say, like, what's a good book to read? And there are like 500 good books. They're all good books. And there's something to be said about like getting a wide variety of different like thoughts and topics and stuff. And I think that that's important, especially for where you're at. But I also think it's very important for you to like be a little discerning about what you're putting in your brain, because while no book is probably like a waste of time, you don't really want to be like learning things that like aren't going to apply to you. You want to, you want to get practical, applicable knowledge right? More than anything else. And that's why, like, if I, if you're asking me, what should you be listening to? I would say, try to figure out a way to get Dana's thing to work. If you can, I don't know if there's a way to do it. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. If you can't, have you asked her, like, is this recorded in just MP3 or something? Like, is there any way that I can listen to this in the car? You know, Cause that would be like my first priority. Cause like the reality is, is like, you could say, Oh, I'm going to get through these modules at home and maybe you do, but why not get the best of the best stuff on your right. house? Yeah. As opposed to like, yes, I do recommend you read rich dad, poor dad. And I think you finished it. Right. I am reading that I finished cash flow quadrant. So I went a little out of, out of order, but I am reading that 
finished cash flow quadrant and listening to uh the million agonic store yeah they're all good books but i would like i would go priority one is like the practical stuff and then like the millionaire in a store great book great message it's not negative trust me but that would be my secondary like my first thing would be applicable knowledge and then if you have extra time the millionaire next door, like you can, you can have on like in the shower. Like it's like a casual yeah. know, listen. And then the other thing I would say just about like Dana stuff or something that's very specific. Sometimes you want to re-listen to something twice, especially like if you're driving and, and listening to an audible or whatever. Like if, if you listen to something and you're like, wow, that was really good information, but I didn't get all of it. Listen to it again. Simple thing. But a lot of times people don't do it. Um, and there'll be stuff where you're like half reading a book and you're like, this doesn't apply. Don't even finish the book, you know, junk it, like move on to the next thing. Cause how you spend your time getting educated is going to be really important in the next couple of years. And you just don't want to like, like, Oh, that was a really cool book, but it had nothing to do with what I'm going to be doing. It's, it's almost, I hate to say it, but it's only like a small upgrade from just listening to like fiction. Yeah. So one thing that you could, you could probably consider an excuse is that I um, am kind of old school. And when I listen to her, her modules, I will play them, play them back, take notes mm-hmm. and kind of like fully dive into them where like the millionaire next door, I can listen to it and I don't really need to be taking notes. I can kind of absorb well, let, that. Let me, let me ask you a serious question. I'm just curious what you think. Are you better off listening to Dana's modules in the car and then listening to them after or her module only one time probably better off doing it twice and the reason i'm saying that is because like some of those concepts are so important that it's like you can you can't hear them enough right. where again like if you miss something on the millionaire next door i mean hey it's just how like millionaires live you know they live below their means you know they're average everyday people who invest and it's it's a simple it's a simple concept with a lot of stories great book but um but yeah, like I would, if you want to sit down and highlight and do everything, then make that your second listen, you know, or do it the opposite way, you know, cause you're not going to, you're, you're not going to retain everything. You're just not going to retain everything that you listen to or read. And, right. and, and the basic principles are stuff that you just want to keep doing over and over and over and over again. And um I always say this to Jim because he tries to make investing really complicated. But I go, Jim, we're not putting a man on the moon here. We're, we're not, you know, inventing the cure for cancer. We're just doing real estate. So anytime he tries to make something sound hard, just remind him that there's people that do quantum physics. And we're definitely not doing that here. With all that being said, do you feel like you kind of have like a plan of action for the next quarter? Yeah, definitely. Because I, even like what you said, like, with going to the open houses like that was something that I kind of eliminated as like a like a low tier task or whatever because even if I go find something if I can't pay for it is it really like the best use of time to go look it it, I'm going to tell you why it is it is because you've never done it before and because you still don't know the answer of how many units what city like you need to be ready when you are ready to take action immediately. Like yeah. you, need to, you need to know, hey, you know what? I found out that like Salem, New Hampshire has a lot of like three families that are in like okay areas that I wouldn't, where am I living in? Okay, in three months from now, like I am gonna look at every single three family in Salem. Whereas right now, because, because you're not looking, you really don't know where what you want. Yeah. It, it takes a while to know what type of assets you want to own. I mean, we bought a bunch of multifamilies and sold them all because we realized it wasn't what we wanted. So this is not something that like is going to happen overnight. Um, So while you can't take action on buying, it doesn't sound like to me you're too far off from being able to do that. I I have another question too with that. Um, Yeah. So should should I be going and seeing those like, so I'll do like driving for dollars sometimes, try to get information on the house. If I want to go the route, say, whatever, conventional 5% or FHA 203K loan, 
and I want to like be able to do that uh, value add and get the equity. So I'm looking at off market houses. Do I want to be doing that as well? Or do you think just kind of start with just the I, homes that are having I, no think, I think my opinion, that's like a quarter two thing. Okay. Because we need to go in order or else we won't get anything accomplished. Now, yeah. if, you, if you message me in February and like, I got like 10 more hours a week, then at that point, then we'll have the conversation. But until you're doing the other things and they're done and you feel really good about them, that's the thing about like rocks and setting quarterly goals and stuff. Like if you're crushing them and you're like, I want to work more, you can always add another one, but you don't want to add 10 things and then only accomplish like two. Yeah. If, if you're going to do four, then you need to do the four. And then if you want to add something else, okay, fine. You added something else, but you've done the four. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Because like the important thing about like, and I could give you no less than a hundred tasks right now that you need to do to become a great investor. That's the easy part. The hard part is what's the three to six this quarter. Did you, did you read traction or get through some of it? I did. I, I listened to it. Yeah. The hardest part, and we do this like we do this on a weekly basis, like at the at our you know our um, team meeting. We're like, oh, is that really one of the top three to six things? Because again, it doesn't matter how old you are, how much business experience you have, you're always going to have a list that's like this big, and you can only get that much done. Right. So when you look at this, you go, what's the eighty twenty? What's the twenty percent that's going to get me the eighty percent of the results? You have to do that first, because worst case scenario, you get the most important things done. You have extra time. Okay, you start expanding. That's all you can do. All you can do is look at how you spend your time and try to spend it the best way that you can to get the thing we talked about in the beginning, which is what you want in 10 years. Right. And the thing that's going to be the worst part for you being young, and I went through this too, you want to make, you want like, things like you want to like say oh i bought a property or i like did a deal but that's actually not how it works in the beginning because it's not a linear thing to get to 40 units this is another important part that i wish i mentioned in the beginning but to get to 40 units over 10 years it doesn't go like four 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 it doesn't go like that it goes zero three five 10, 15, 27, like, because as you had more properties, your equity is building. As your equity is building, you can pull more equity. So it's not a linear, th it's not a linear thing. It's exponential. And that's right. the part that's, that's the part that's very difficult because I could say to you like, Hey, go out and look about at a bunch of houses you can't buy. Then at the end of the quarter, you go, I have no results. You do have results. You just don't have anything tangible. You have like intellectual results, right? And that's the part that's the hardest in the beginning to understand. I mean, somebody like Jim couldn't understand that. <laughs> no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate for him, but he'll get it someday. <laughs> Maybe by the time he's 50, he'll get it. He's got a ways to go. He's got a little ways to go. He's closer than I am to 50. So. Yeah, but like last thing, you know, I'm going to just kind of like end with is like, it's definitely a journey, right? It's like, like anything else, like you're, you're literally building, you know, brick by brick by brick by brick. There's no such thing as like, like, unless you're, you know, a movie star or a professional sports player, there's no like over, even those people, those are not overnight successes, right? Um, financially, they are because they go from one year making zero to millions of dollars. but with real estate, it's really like you're just adding bricks and they're and because they're not linear, they're gonna go slow, slow, slow. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm a millionaire. And that happens really quick. Um, but you have to be like patient and just always the biggest thing is just always learning, you know, learning smart, learning what you need to know, and then starting to execute as the time becomes right. So all right. With that being said, are you going to see Jim today? Oh, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. I, uh, 
it's rare to see him. It's like a unicorn. Really? Where is he? Does he work or does he just kind of like give you guys stuff to do and then like hang out at the beach? No, we're just all over all over the world in different places. I know. That's that's the only thing. I mean, it's like it's crazy. Believe it or not, like we were so much more smaller geographically focused five years ago. But with how tight the market is, our radius has expanded. And yeah, you could be in Rhode Island one minute, Manchester, New Hampshire the second minute, then in Worcester. Yeah, I mean, it is it, it's, it's a lot, but that's, that's where the market's at right now. It's, it's very tight, which is an, yet another reason why, like, I'm not, I wouldn't be gung-ho about like, hey, I got to get a property tomorrow because there's more, there's a better odds than not that being a little bit patient, even though you need to be patient anyways, but just from a market perspective, being patient isn't going to hurt you right now. Yeah. So. All right. Well, thanks for jumping on. You know how to reach me. Um, you can always get me. As everybody knows, Facebook Messenger is the thing, right? We've had a lot of Friday night conversations um, about ran- random books and stuff like that. So the channel the channel is always open and um, you're going to crush it. I mean, you have the right mindset. And at your age, the biggest that you... You have things going against you. Your youth goes against you, but you have you have the best asset, which is time. That's the right. best asset you can have. So you get you want results tomorrow, but you have a lot of time to get there, which makes this more of a guarantee. The more time you have, the more it becomes like automatic because at some point that line just goes up, right? The exponential thing. So you know you're gonna get there. You're going to end up having that exponential before you hit 30, you know, which is going to be cool to see. Me and Jim will be 50. So, <laughs> all right. We got a ways to go. Yeah. Last thing for all of you yes. who are listening, Calvin was so scared to come on. Oh. And so you were. That's not that's not a bad thing to say. Well, I was no, I was just waiting for it. No, I was, I was gonna give you a comp- I was gonna give you a compliment actually. <laughs> so here's the thing, guys. Like Calvin didn't want to come on because you know, public speaking is hard, being in front of an audience is hard, but it was that important to him to get me for an hour that he was willing to come on. And I say that not as an egotistical thing for me. I say it in terms of while you're investing. There's going to be a lot of things that aren't going to be fun that you need to do. And you need to make a decision. Like, this is going to be hard. This is going to be uncomfortable. But am I going to sacrifice? And you, may, I know this isn't like a big deal, but it is a big deal because this is what you're going to keep needing to do. Option A, hey, I can't be on a live recording. Option B, I'm on a live recording and I, and I help my investing goals. It's not going to always be live recording that's going to help you, but it's going to be something that you're like, I don't know how to do this. I'm uncomfortable, but I'm going to push myself. So I do give you a, a compliment for, for doing that. And, and thank you for coming on. For those of you who are in his spot where you're like, hey, I just read a book or I read two books or I read 10 books and I don't know what to do yet. This is the type of stuff that we do with all inner circle members. Calvin's automatically in the inner circle because he's a staff member, but for those of you who have not applied um, to talk about what the Inner Circle offers, make sure that you set up a time to talk with me at www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com. Again, that's www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com. And guys, keep in mind what our mission is. We're here to get agents off the real estate roller coaster, get financially free. I know because I was in all of your shoes. I was an agent you know, struggling month to month, worrying about when my next commission check is going to be in. Tune into all of the stuff. We've ha- we've helped hundreds of agents get off that real estate roller coaster. Um, if you're listening, I'd love for you to be our, our next, um, you know, our next case study on how you do that. So guys, we'll be back. Uh, make sure you're in the Facebook group, www.agentinvestor.com. That's where we post everything, events, videos, our podcast, et cetera www.agentinvestor.com. And Calvin, thank you again. I'll talk to you next. Well, I'll talk to you offline at some point. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Say hi to Jim. (laughs) Will do. Thanks again for listening to the Agent Investor Podcast. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. 
Every time you share the show and leave a review, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get free weekly education, strategies, and to connect with other agent investors across the country, join our free Facebook group at agentinvestor.com. Again, that's agentinvestor.com.